Good morning and welcome to worship. If you happen to be joining for the first time today, I'm Pastor Ann, and I am blessed and honored to be serving this congregation alongside Pastor Andy. We're glad you're here, and we want you to know that you're always welcome to be a part of what God is doing in and through this community of faith here at The Way Woodstock, where we are indeed committed to sharing in hope, living with purpose for the sake of others. Today we're continuing with our summer series, looking at the words that Jesus spoke to those around him. And as we've seen in previous messages from this series, Jesus has been pretty good. I don't know about you, but he's pretty good at challenging me and other would-be followers to look deeply within ourselves. These challenges aren't to make us feel bad, though. They're not to make us look and say, oh, well, I failed at that, and I failed at this, and I failed at that. These are to point the way toward the new life that he so desires for us all to experience. It's only with the awareness of those things that stand in the way of our moving closer to God and into the purpose that he created us for that we can make our way closer to him. Please turn with me to the book of Mark, the 8th chapter, verses 31 to 38. And let's hear the word of God. He then began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and after three days rise again. He spoke plainly about this, and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But when Jesus turned and looked at his disciples, he rebuked Peter. Get behind me, Satan, he said. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Then he called the crowd to him along with his disciples, and he said, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves And take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? If anyone is ashamed of me and my words... In this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his Father's glory with the holy angels. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Dear most gracious God, we come to you today, Lord, seeking to hear your voice, to hear what you have to say to us about taking up our cross and following you. So, Lord, let the meditations of my heart be pleasing to you. It is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 
Now, the first part of that scripture may have sounded a little familiar because it's very similar to the scripture from Matthew that we used in an earlier message in this series entitled, Get Away From Me, where we looked at Peter and his words and what Jesus said to him in response. But today we're going to be concentrating on the second half of that message. Now, it's important to remember that Jesus is preparing his disciples for what is to come. We see here, though, that he's not only speaking to the twelve, he has called the crowd to join them as well. And then he speaks these words to them. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. And whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. Now, these must have been pretty important words because they're repeated two times just in the gospel of Matthew. And then they're also repeated in the gospel of Mark and in the gospel of Luke. Now, although the gospel of John doesn't use exactly those same words, John uses a different message and different words, but to convey the same concept of dying in order to live. John uses that that concept of a seed that must go into the ground and die in order to bring forth fruit. But I found myself, as I was reflecting on these words about being a disciple and denying ourselves and picking up our crosses and follow Jesus... I found myself going back in time and going back to the garden with Jesus. Jesus knew what he was going to be facing. He knew that the cross was coming, and he knew all that that was going to entail. So he went to the garden, the Garden of Gethsemane, to pray. And we're told that he prayed to his father that if it was possible to let this cup pass, Jesus, while being fully divine and fully human, did not seek out suffering, nor are we to seek out suffering. But in his humanity, Jesus was struggling with what was coming his way. But Jesus ended his prayer with these words, Not my will, but yours. Jesus denied himself And fully submitted to fulfilling the purpose that God had called him to. John 3, 16 and 17 tells us, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. The cross is a reminder of the sacrifice and love of Christ who left heaven and entered into our fallenness, our world, and bore the sins that were our sins on a cross so that we could be forgiven and reconciled to God. You see, the cross is that place where God's love for lost sinners and his perfect justice meet. God doesn't turn his back on sin. God recognizes sin. 
But Jesus took the fall for us. Jesus knew that the future his disciples were going to be facing was going to be difficult. They were going to face persecution and suffering. Would they be able to, to try, would they be able to stop trying to control everything and to rely on God and his purposes for their lives? Were they really up to taking his messages of God's amazing love and grace to the world? Could they live their lives following his teachings? You know, some of those teachings are really difficult. Love your enemy. Don't fight back. Could they allow him to become Lord of their life in order to spread the good news to the world? And what about us? Are we willing to surrender our own self-interest, our own self-centered ambitions, our goals, our lifestyles, in order for others to come to know the love of God for his children as demonstrated through Jesus? So what does it mean for us to deny ourselves and to pick up our cross and follow Jesus in today's world? Our human temptation is always to impose our will on God's will. None of us, not a one of us, will ever totally escape suffering in this world. We will all face temptation and challenge. It's the natural consequences of confronting evil or even of our own sinfulness and self-centeredness. But our suffering can be used for good if we follow Jesus. The cross is personal. As followers of Jesus, we too are to look for God's purposes in our lives, regardless of what we've gone through, regardless of what we've faced. Where is God's purpose? We do need to be willing to deny ourselves and allow Jesus to become the Lord of our life. A disciple who takes up their cross is one who is willing to surrender, to surrender our pride, our ego, our status, and sometimes our worldly comfort for the sake of the kingdom of God. A disciple is willing to lose their worldly life or identity to gain an eternal life and identity in Christ. The next questions Jesus asks us lets us know just what is at stake. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? Just how important is it for us to truly follow Jesus? Well, Jesus tells us in John 14, verses 23 to 24, Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. 
My Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. The way of Jesus is different than the way of the world. In the world, the cross represents death, but with God, it represents new life. In the world, the cross represented hate. With God, it represents love. In the world, the cross represented violence, but with God, it represents peace. In the world, the cross represented accusation. With God, it represents forgiveness. In the world, the cross represented destruction. With God, it represented restoration. In the world, the cross represented brokenness. With God, it represents wholeness. In the world, the cross represented defeat. But with God, it represents victory. God's ways and the world's ways are definitely not the same. Jesus closes this section of scripture with these words of warning. If anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his Father's glory with the holy angels. We, too, live in an adulterous and sinful generation. As disciples of Jesus Christ, we're to live differently from the world around us. Our values, our morals, our goals, and our purposes will be different from some of those around us. And this may cause conflict. They may not understand But we are to be faithful to our call of making Jesus known, not only in our words, but in our actions as well. We're to love the Lord our God with all of our heart and all of our soul and all of our strength and all of our mind. And we are to love our neighbor as ourselves. We're to follow Jesus' example of speaking truth with grace. Sometimes people don't like to hear truth. It is indeed what we do in the name of Jesus with his love, not just our verbal confession that will determine our standing with God for eternity. Jesus began his ministry with the words, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Repent means turn, turn away from the things of the world. Set your eyes on God and his ways. God is merciful and he's gracious. And he wants us to keep turning to him and his ways instead of the ways of the world. He knows we face temptation. He knows we sometimes feel pressure to give in to that temptation. 
keeping the cross of Jesus in the center of our faith will protect us from falling for the ways of the world. We need Jesus Christ in the new life that only he can give us, empowered by his Holy Spirit. Without him, we are indeed lost in our sin and in our self-centeredness. So thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for the gift of salvation and for your daily guidance. I want to share a story that I read from our Daily Bread devotional, and I think it expresses very clearly why Jesus and the cross are so important to our faith. During the Napoleonic Wars, men were conscripted conscripted into the French army by a lottery system. If your name was drawn, you had to go off to battle. But in the rare case that you could get someone else to take your place, you were exempt. On one occasion, the authorities came to a certain man and told him that his name had been drawn. But he refused to go, saying, I was killed two years ago. At first, they questioned his sanity, but he insisted that this was, in fact, the case. He claimed that the records would show that he had been conscripted to the army two years previously and that he had been killed in action. How can that be, they they asked. You're now alive. He explained that when his name came up, a close friend said to him, You have a large family, but I'm not married, and nobody is dependent on me. I'll take your name and address and go in your place. The records upheld the man's claim. The case was referred to Napoleon himself, who decided that the country had no legal claim on the man. He was free because another man had died in his place. Jesus died in our place. As Christians, we too are dead to sin and self-centeredness as we follow our Savior. The Apostle Paul describes how we're to live as disciples of Christ in Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live But Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. By the power of the Holy Spirit, we can now live from a new center. Our life is no longer focused just on me and what I want, what my desires are, my way of seeing things. Our life is no longer focused on getting my way. Our lives now are focused on Jesus and his call to make him known to others, not just by our words, but by our actions as well. In closing, let us remember the words of John the Baptist. You know, John's disciples had been following John for a while, and then Jesus came along. 
and John baptized Jesus. And then the crowd started to follow Jesus. And his disciples were feeling threatened by this because everybody was going to Jesus and they were no longer coming to John. And John replied to them with these words. A person can receive only what is given them from heaven. You yourself can testify that I said I am not the Messiah, but am sent ahead of him. The bride belongs to the bridegroom. The friend who attends the bridegroom waits and listens for him and is full of joy when he hears the bridegroom's voice. That joy is mine, and it is now complete. He must become greater. I must become less. He must become greater. I must become less. May those words become the response of our hearts as we seek to follow Jesus more closely every moment of every day of our life. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Dear most gracious God, this talk of picking up a cross and carrying it doesn't appeal to us. We like the easy way. But Lord, your way, even though it seems hard sometimes, it indeed is the easy way because it's full of joy and peace. There are so many things, Lord, that um, this world can't satisfy, that only you can satisfy. So Lord, we, we come to you and we ask, you know, help us to see clearly. Help us to see when we've made ourselves the sinner instead of making Jesus our sinner. Help us to see when we need to die, to die to self in order to live in the way that you would have us live, the way of Christ, the way of Jesus, sharing his love and his mercy and his grace. And it is in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit we pray. Amen.